did how do you even make friends as an adult are, are we adults we'll fact check that later <laughs> hey everybody welcome back i am amy and i am here with the lovely rachel and we are talking about making adults as friends we are again going through this in a bit of a, an unconventional way by pulling random questions out of a jar um if you ever have an answer to one of these questions definitely drop it in the comments if you're on youtube or shoot us an email um if you were listening to the podcast we want to know what your answers are too if there's anything that you want to hear us talk about or ask each other like let us know we want you to be part of this conversation as well so without further ado could you pull something from our magic jar of chaos this is the first week that the magic jar of chaos has looked like we've taken anything out of it so it's no longer the mary poppins bag of crap which is really kind of exciting because i was like we're not getting through these we don't have enough episodes left worst trip ever oh oh because why talk about something pleasant and fun and exciting when you well, can we talk promise about something the people traumatic? like a Russian roulette of chaos, and I feel like we're delivering. <laughs> Worst trip ever. That's not my question. Do you have anything in mind, or was that from your list of? No, I mean, I, I definitely have some things on here that I could put. Um, I mean, I don't know that I ever leave my house without there being kind of a comedy of errors in my life. And so like, it's kind of a thing, but when I am from the Northeast part of the United States of America, and um, I have been a person who has always tanned very well. Like I rarely burn. I just like, I go from my winter body to my summer color body. And they're just, it just is. And which means growing up, I, of course, in the nineties did not take care of my skin the way that I should. We can all see that. Also, I'm a theater person. So I'm used to having makeup on and making like big expressions. So we'll just ignore that, like the things, but, um, when we lived in the Pacific Northwest, it was a particularly difficult thing for me. I did not, um, I did not care for my experience there. It's a beautiful part of the country. I met lots of lovely people that are still a part of my life, but generally speaking, not my fave. Um, and so we had gone, my husband and I, um, to this gigantic resort in the Caribbean or the Caribbean. And um, this very, very, very white man um, decided to comment on how white my body was while we were there. And um, because we had been living in the Pacific Northwest for like maybe three years at that time, my body had not really seen this one, um, the way that it had growing up. And both my husband and I got so sunburned. And when I, because I was like, I'm not putting sunscreen on now. Like I have to get a tan. I'm not going to be like, but also, sir, there's the kettle making some comments, but they had these double tubes to go down all of their water slides. And because I'm very short, I can't touch, I couldn't touch all of the floor of the 
places in between. So all of their water slides are connected and you kind of go up one, you come down one, you go around a little lazy river, but like it wasn't moving very quickly. So I was laying in the tube with like my legs over the front and my husband was standing in the tube in the back and like walking and like pushing us along and then like getting in. So the entire front half of my body was lobster red. And I mean, and I do mean a line of demarcation down the side of my body and all of the back of him was lobster red and the whole front of him was like stark white and he's Scottish. So he was like even more white than I was white. And so all our pictures, you know how they make you like kind of turn to the side, like you're at the prom, all of our pictures are like, Red, white, white. <laughs> and I'm not going to say that it was the worst trip ever. But it was the second time in my life that I've had like significant sun poisoning. And I did have like an entire 36 hour period of like the verge of vomiting mm -hmm. with like $3,000 aloe, because of course we didn't have any with us. So you had to buy from the resort, the like bajillion dollar, it like cost more to get the aloe than it did to stay there for the week, <laughs> um, which hurt my husband because again, he's Scottish. <laughs> and so, <laughs> um, and so like, we literally just like laid, I laid like this and he laid on his stomach under the fan with aloe on us. <laughs> but it wasn't the best. Yeah, I feel you. I think like, I think I've got a sunburn story for you. Okay. Um, so I take a medication that basically takes out your natural sunblock. So like, you know how there's like, you have the 20, 30 minutes of natural protection. I have none of that. Um, and no one told me that. And so we went to like a family reunion and my mom and I played a 45 minute round of like mini golf. It was like a putt, putt, whatever. Um, and I just got this horrific burn on my shoulder. Like it was horrifying to the point where like, we came home, like my partner, like we were engaged at the time. He was like, we got to put some aloe on that. Um, and he ended up at work, I was like, oh, like this is really still hurting. It seems like it's getting worse, which I don't know how that's possible. Um, and so I like showed my boss and was like, should I be like, I was like in my early twenties. I was like barely an adult. I was like, is like, am I supposed to see a doctor about this? Like, when do you, he had kids. I was like, when do you go to a doctor? And he looked at it and was like, oh my God, you need to like, like two days ago <laughs> right now. And there was one like in our building. So I like putted down to the walk-in clinic and the doctor came in and she was pretty peeved. She was like, honestly, we don't really see sunburns in the walk-in clinic. So like, I'm feeling a little frustrated that I'm here for this, but like, show it to me. And like, I expect you to be on your way. So I like take off my little cardigan and it's just like scabs. I had a third degree burn. It was into my muscle. I had like antibiotics. I had the steroid cream. She was like, you, my friend are going to the hospital. <laughs> because we don't know if you can keep that skin anymore <laughs> from a 45 minute game of mini golf with sunblock on. That's kind of a big deal. And I oh, know, dude. I know that you are like really good at everything that you do. Right. But like a plus a plus things it's okay to just dial it in. <laughs> 
but like, so the funny part is that my husband and I, our favorite place to vacation is in Jamaica where it's like all sun all the time. And so he will like get into fisticuffs with people over me being in the shade. So like the place that we go, they have like the, um, it's like the pool bar thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there's like lots of tables with, um, like umbrellas and stuff. And he will just elbow grown adults out of the way and be like, my wife needs to be in the shade. You need to move. Let me tell you about the time she almost lost her freaking arm. <laughs> like, my wife needs to be in the shade. Um, and it's to the point now where we were there for, I think, like six or seven days last time. And like the morning we were leaving, we were going for like our goodbye swim. Somebody stopped me in the bathroom and like Heart of Gold was like, oh, hey, like, make sure that you're like not getting in the pool, like, and like, high noon and whatever and make sure that you're like setting a timer to reapply your sunblock because you're so pale she's like really worried about you because it's like it's it's more sizzly than you think it is and I was like oh honey I've been here for a week already and she's like wait a minute okay you tell me what (laughs) you're like well first you get a husband who's six five yeah with a little bit of a dad (laughs) get yourself a linebacker Um, yeah, because my husband would not be intimidating anybody into anything. Um, but I would say for like worst trip ever. Um, so like my husband and all of the cousins who are like kind of our age, our generation, we all go up winter camping um, for New Year's Eve. Um, so there's like a scout camp up north. It's like cabins and stuff. Um, the problem for me though is that they have outhouses nope. and that is not my jam. And so every year we go there, I get a UTI because I pee like one time a day <laughs> like, and only when I really need to. <laughs> like, or I need so to every, or not. So every year without fail, I get a UTI when I go there. But the first year that we went when we didn't know this was a thing, um, it was like really bad. And so like, we had to go like hours from home. We had to hit some random ER to be like, something doesn't feel right. Um, so I went and they gave me, um, I think it was like the sulfide, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, it's like a sulfur medication. And they were like, cool. Like if you have any, like, if these are the three things that we need you to look for. And if you have any of these, like immediately come back. Um, and so I like went to sleep and I woke up the next morning still with my UTI and my arm was just like moist. I had one of those weeping rashes where your skin just kind of dissolves and your plasma is just like rising out of your skin. And I was like, Oh, that's not good. (laughs) This was one of the three things. Like this was one of the emergency things. (laughs) So needless to say, we like packed up and left. We're like, this is enough for this year. We're going home. So I apparently also have a sulfide allergy. (laughs) But I I found out in the middle of the woods with my UTI. No, (laughs) I'm definitely allergic to sulfur. No. I'm okay. Probably my worst trip ever. And I also, every year I go there, I get bronchitis Mm -hmm. because I'm very like, go, go, go. And so as soon as I take a break, any time in my life, as soon as I'm like, huh, rest, my body's like, finally, we have a moment to deal with all of these things that we've been like, just putting in a jar in the back of your body. So every time we go, like most of the, most of the crew, like we like double up in bunks. Cause there's only so many cabins and there's a lot of augers. Um, and Eric and I are the only ones who always get our own cabin always. And it's because every time we go, I'm deathly ill <laughs> and I need a place where I can sleep where people aren't like coming in all the time. And it's just because like day two or day three, I'm just down for the count. I'm like, <laughs> everyone's like, keep her away from us. This was like pre-Coco Roro. So I was like, 
a weird thing with people coughing. Um, but yeah, so I would say between my bronchitis and my UTI and my like weeping rash, it was probably not like a top 10 trip for me. No, no, I'm not even going to lie to you. The first time somebody said the word outhouse to me, I would have looked at my husband and been like, that sounds like a really fun thing you should just do with your family yourself. (laughs) The the only reason it feels okay is because everything's frozen. Like it's like minus 40. When we go up there, people are wearing like like four scarves on their face with like goggles because your eyeballs are just going to freeze. Um, like it's like deathly cold there. Like your pee is frozen before it even hits the bottom (laughs) of the outhouse. Like, so it doesn't smell It's very cleanly, but just the idea is like, no for me. And also like going up there and like, anytime you have to pee, you've got like your snow pants and your other pants and your jeans and your long johns and your underpants. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how to get these 18 things off in time to go pee. That's almost, that would almost be the worst that honestly, part of it is just the, I have to pee like three times a night. So like, that's not practical. Mm -hmm. And also that like, when I was a kid growing up where it snowed, the putting on of all of the things was the thing that like put me right over the edge as a human being. Like I loved outdoors. I loved the snow. I wanted to be out in all of it, but that like the process mm-hmm. was so overwhelming to me. And I think that would almost be the thing. Cause as long as it's not like it's clearly your family space. So like this is not, I can only assume an outhouse that like all of the general public are using. That's the the family. It would be no different than if that was the bathroom, everybody was peeing and indoors. Like it's, if it's just family germs, like I can get on board with that. No one's sitting on it. Your butt would freeze to it. Right. Everyone's hovering. And it's clean. Like it's not like a camp bathroom where you're like, well, this could be hit or miss, you know, Mm -hmm. but like the process would put me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't eat or drink the entire time I was there. Even if I was cooking for you. Maybe if it was only us there and I could be like, I'm now putting on all of the blankets for my bed because I cannot put my snow pants on again. (laughs) Well, and like you get desensitized to it by like day three or four, everyone's just walking around in their long johns. Like it's no big deal. Like, cause also like, so part of winter camping, cause my husband's Estonian. Um, he's like second generation Canadian. Um, and so like, this is the Estonian camp. So they have like a beautiful zone, but like part of Estonian culture is that you sewn and then you jump in the ice. So like my job with my feminist rage is to take the ax and make the hole in the ice. And it's my favorite thing in the whole world to just ax the lake to death. Okay, well, you should have loved it with the axing of the ice. Right. Yeah. Worth it. But okay. Like, so I'm after- back on board now. After several nights of like frying your insides and then hopping in a literally frozen lake, you're kind of desensitized. So everyone's like, what were we complaining about? <laughs> like there was a year, there was a year, um, there was like a huge, huge snowstorm here. It was like deathly cold. The city was canceling all the New Year's events because it just wasn't safe to have people in the city just standing outside for hours for New Year's. We were definitely still swimming in the lake. Um, and like, it got to the point where, because it's so cold in the lake, you come out and you feel warm. And so we were all like chatting, like drinking beers and stuff. Just like, oh, it's so lovely outside tonight. And somebody was like, wait a minute, guys, I think it's minus 40 still. Like we should probably actually go in. 
like, oh yeah, like, we, we should probably go. It's probably not safe to just be standing out here. <laughs> like, we should, we should probably go back indoors. My so, favorite like, thing about all of that is that you couldn't take the thing to help your UTI, but your body's like, make myself as hot as possible, jump into frozen water. This is clearly something that I'm okay with. Like yeah. I would only assume that you're, you would have a medical emergency over that. So I love that. That's well, the one like, thing. You're the like. fun thing is there are really specific rules about going to the lake. Cause like, first of all, it's the middle of the night. We've all been drinking. <laughs> so like rules have to be there. Um, so like rule number one is you are not allowed to put your head under the water, under no circumstances, your head go under the water. If it goes under, we consider that an emergency and you will be going back to your cabin. Um, number two is you are not like you go down on a ladder and you just go to like shoulder deep if you can. Um, but you are not allowed to let go of the ladder at any time. Oh, you for also sure. have to go with another adult who is capable of lifting you out of the water. So when the dudes all go, they go in like threes because two of them could definitely lift one of them out of the water. So like there are very, very strict rules like for safety because we're in the middle of nowhere. And what are you even going to do if something happens? Like, um, so like we take it very seriously. But again, once you've dumped, like I remember the first time that I went, um, I was there with my husband and then just somebody from the Estonian community who happened to have a cottage around there, heard we were opening the stone. He came, that's totally fine. Um, but <laughs> Eric and I were still just engaged. And so like I dunked and I was so scared because I'm, I have this like irrational fear that a fish is gonna like touch me. Not okay, like no bueno. Um, everyone's sleeping in the lake. <laughs> like, <laughs> no one is going to touch us. We're like stomping around on the ice. Like there are no fish there, but I was like irrationally worried that a fish was going to touch me. And so like, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, I'm so scared. And I like pop back up and the other guy's like, congratulations, you're Estonian now. <laughs> like, and my, my husband told his dad and they told that story at the wedding <laughs> about like how I was like christened Estonian because I like actually got in the lake because not everyone will do it. Um, and so it's kind of a big deal when like the new, um, we call each other squans. Um, we have like a little sub group in the cousin group, which is because all of the partners are kind of attached to people outside of the Estonian community. Um, and so we got a little wasted one time um, and we started deciding like we needed like a name for ourselves. Like everyone else here is Estonian. Like, what are we? We want a club. And so we were like, well, what is a very English word? Um, and so, cause there's like a thing and there's a thing with Estonian parents where like they raised many of their kids only speaking Estonian. And so mm. if they didn't know Estonian word for something that had come up, it was new, like fax machine, whatever. They would just say the English word in an Estonian accent and the kids would have no idea until they met other people. And they were like, what word is that? <laughs> so we were like, what is the most English word we can think of? And we, we decided scones was probably the most English word that we can think of. And then we asked one of the Estonian cousins, like, how would you say scone with an Estonian accent? Just because they, they sounded their words very differently to English. And she was like, well, I think it would probably be like a squan. And we were like, all right, so we're the squans then. <laughs> like, That's have our own little club. <laughs> I'm it's so like, jealous. <laughs> you can be a squan if you want. I'll let you in. <laughs> I'm like the leader. I can have the invitations. I would be more apt to dunk in the cold water than I would be to pee in the house. I'm not gonna lie to you. It's fun though, because like the the problem the problem is that a lot of times when Estonians get together, they they speak in Estonian. It just kind of comes out. Nobody realizes that they've transitioned, yeah. and so the squans are often kind of left alone to get up to our own devices. And one time again, 
a little bit drunk. Um, we decided that we were going to start our own champagne like company, but because you can't call anything champagne that's not from champagne, we decided we were going to name it Champignon. <laughs> like a mushroom. <laughs> like, we got up to a lot of trouble. <laughs> So I'm like, now that the Coco Robo is like a little settled down, like we're talking about like maybe doing an extra, I'm very excited to get the squans back together. Yeah, that's <laughs> fabulous. <laughs> that's fabulous. And like, I didn't grow up in a family with lots of cousins and things. Like I'm an only child of an only child of an only child. So like my aunts and uncles growing up were my great aunts and uncles and not all of them had children. So like, mm-hmm. even if they had, they were like legit adults, like my mom's age. And so I don't have all of that extended family and I don't really understand it, but it seems like it would be a good time. <laughs> yeah. It's, I'm, I'm quite similar. We're like, I grew up with a lot of siblings, but we were blended family. So it was kind of three of us together most of the time. And then we were kind of disconnected from all of our cousins because mm-hmm. um, like, they were far away or they were from like the wrong side of the family when my parents got divorced. And so like, I have cousins, but I don't really engage with them. And so coming into Eric's family, it's just chaos all the time. Like I love it, but it's like, it just takes, like I'm an introvert. And so just walking into a room, I can just feel my battery be like, (laughs) all done here. I was (laughs) going to say, and then when you get home, do you get sick again? Cause you just had to be around all those people for like, I would need to recover. When my, when my battery empties, the tears come. I'm I'm usually a little moist by the time we leave. I'm like, like like Eric's mom takes very good care of me and she just starts handing me coffees. (laughs) Like she's like, here, why don't we just go sit? I'll get you a coffee. And I'm like, so because if like if love languages weren't crap, that would definitely be but that's me being seen and heard. She nails it. I can see you're having a panic attack right now. (laughs) Like, let's just go hang and sit together for some quiet time. I will like handle the and then people just come and talk to her and I get to sit there and I look like I'm participating, but I'm silently like drinking my coffee. (laughs) I like it. That's love. I like it, Picasso. Parents sharing opinions, not facts. Oh, oh, I think I put this one in there. (laughs) I think, I think I put this in there. And I think what I was trying to ask was like, is there a time in your life that you can remember that you started to understand that like your parents weren't, that your parents were sharing opinions, not necessarily things that were correct. Yeah. And like, it's, uh, like we were, I think we were talking about something else about making hot chocolate and like not following the rules. Um, that created another memory for me where like one of the first times that I was like allowed to make hot chocolate by myself, I put the water in first and then I put the powder on top and my mom got all flustered and she was like, well, you wrecked it and now we can't use it. And I was like, no, you just like stir it. Like you, you just like, I've done it before and you just stir it. <laughs> that's, that's not right. <laughs> like, and I didn't say anything. Cause that was like, no, no, no <laughs> right? but it was, I like distinctly remember being like, that's not true. Like, that's not mm-hmm. right. Um, and coming to the realization, like, oh no, like, cause I was, I was pretty little. Like I remember the house that we were in and I was maybe like maximum six years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like being really little me like, oh no, <laughs> like, you're driving the ship. And like, now I don't know if ever, I don't know if you know what you're doing anymore. 
over on John because I was like, it's not broken. It's just, it's just hard, I guess. Like, it's just different. Like, I don't know. I make it this way all the time. Is this not how you make it? I think I also used to make it with cold water sometimes. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> it all worked. I was, I was pretty uh, chill as a kid. I was like, whatever, it's chocolate. I'll still eat it. <laughs> I don't care. But yeah, I, was, I distinctly remember that impression of like, oh no, like you're the captain and I don't have faith anymore that you know what you're doing. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Um, wow. I'm sure that I do. Like, I'm sure that I'm sure that I do, but I feel like I've deconstructed so many things over the last several years that the spaces that I've come back around to, um, I mean, here's the deal. I've always kind of thought my mom was right about most things. And I don't find that to necessarily be untrue, um, which is really annoying, but there are definitely some spaces now where I can see, um, like my mom is very productive, like very, very productive. And she will not relax until all the things are done. And even once the things are done, she's not going to relax because she will find another thing. And I can remember, um, feeling exhausted, like growing up by that, like the feeling that like everything had to be done first before Mm -hmm. something else. And the concept isn't wrong, right? The concept isn't wrong to say, Um, if you don't have these things kind of hanging over you, then you'll be able to enjoy the things more. But I think now as an adult, particular, here I am again, now I'm going to be that guy again, but like, particularly because of my human design, the fact that I am meant to rest and I'm not meant to like, I can't produce the way that other human design people can, um, that I actually am more productive if I rest first. Mm -hmm. And if I haven't been resting, then I literally can't be productive unless I rest. Mm -hmm. And also who's to say that if you're resting and you don't have all of your tasks done, that you have to be overwhelmingly bothered by that. And so I think like that was definitely an opinion for her. If all of the things are done, I can't sit down and relax. That was very true for her, but it's been one of those things I've had to decondition out of myself because all that happens is then I never get to rest because you and I know in our job that even if your body is still, if your mind is not still, then you are mm-hmm. not actually resting yeah. and you, you might as well be up burning your energy. Cause it's literally the exact same process on your body. And so I have to not be bothered by the things that aren't done first or that there can be no clutter Like there can be no things. I'm not really a things person anyway, but my mom was like, surfaces need to be clear. You don't have stuff like no extra things. And I still feel that way. Like I had a situation where I had to deconstruct. Do I feel, um, 
not at peace in stuff because of how I grew up or do I feel not at peace because I genuinely me who I am is not at peace and the answer is that it's genuinely me um but if I've been mindful and purposeful about something that's out then it's okay for me to have it out like a decade ago, me having these jars on my desk would have driven me back crap crazy. I would have been like, that needs a place to go when we're not doing our podcast. Um, I have a medication I have to take before every meal. If it's not out on the counter with the shot glass that I take it with, then I don't remember to take it. And so it can't be put away. And if it were my mom's house, that would not be okay growing up. But now like I can even tell how she feels different is now she's older because when I go and I put it out on her counter at her house, it doesn't freak her out. Whereas five years ago, she would have been like, that can't be out here, (laughs) you know? So I think some of those things, the, it's not necessarily their opinion. It's like how they genuinely feel about something Mm -hmm. versus that other people can feel differently. That is not the right way simply Mm -hmm. because. Yeah, we had um, a similar issue when we moved in with our in-laws for a year that was supposed to be a week and a half. Bless you. Where my mother-in-law, like, I love my mother-in-law, like, do not get me wrong, but she's very similar to your mother and where, like, everything has to be put away at all times. Everything has to be, like, like, surfaces clear, whatever, whatever, and I'm the same way where if it's out of sight, it's out of mind, and I can't function that way. Um, and so like, I had to leave stuff on the kitchen counter because I had to remember to put it in my body or I was not going to feel well. Like I had to keep things like at the side door, or I was going to forget them when I was walking our dogs, like, like, oh no, I forgot the poop eggs. Like now what do I do? Right. Like, so there was a bit of, um, there was a bit of sort of a dance that we had to do where she was like, what is the maximum that I can tolerate? And what is the minimum that I can remember on my own kind of right (laughs) because we we had another problem where like she makes the bed every day every day she makes the bed and I know that you are a very make the bed person but one of our dogs pancake does not like made beds like you Mm -hmm. will make the bed and you will turn around and she will have made a nest out of it like if you don't make it she will leave it but if you do anything to straighten it at all she will like rage nest like she is like huffing and puffing and like throwing things like she does not like it Um, and so when we were at her house, like we were like, Hey, like we don't make the bed because pancake will unmake the bed in one second. And she will like tear things by accident Mm -hmm. with her little nails. Like, and so we just don't do that. And she was like, okay. And then she would march in and make it. And then pancake would march in and unmake it. (laughs) This happened like four or five times. And she was like, I can see that you were right. (laughs) And that this will not do. (laughs) And I will just leave it. It's like, I'll just close the door and you don't close have to the door. <laughs> but like, but she, she has like zero tolerance for made beds. I don't know where she got it from. Um, but she just like every bed we've ever had, we've tried everything. We've tried like doubling up the comforters. Like, nope, she will just bunch them one at a time. Like she's like that household luck. <laughs> it's like, I don't, I don't know what it is. She loves it. Well, she likes going under them. I think is the thing. Um, like often like I'll come out of the shower and there's just a little head popping out of the blankets. And I'm like, I don't know how you did that. <laughs> like everything's tossed and turned or she'll be stuck. She's like trapped herself in a little burrito. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like for safety, we just don't make the bed anymore. <laughs> 
Yes. And my, my made bed, um, like situation is not even necessarily because of how it looks all day long. Although now that I work from a corner of my bedroom, it has to be made every morning Mm -hmm. because I cannot, but I also finally have like a legitimate morning ritual and it includes sitting on the top of my bed and catching up on one of whatever shows I've missed and drinking my hot tea in the morning and not worrying about that. I've wasted an hour resting first. Like I just slept, Yep. but I can't make it. You have to do your conscious rest. Correct. Not the same. Correct. And so, um, there, I do get a little, like a little something out of sitting on top of my made bed, but I'm very hyper, like, tactile in that, um, like we know that I can't have too many outside inputs at once. I was like, my mom still jokes around because I will still do this as an adult. And I really, I genuinely don't care where I am, but like, if my sock is the very least, not exactly specifically how I desired it to be, I will sit down in the middle of wherever I am walking, take my shoe off, take my sock off, like deal with the whole thing and then start fresh from the beginning. And when I would go to bed at night, if I could feel like one wrinkle in the sheet that I was sleeping on or one side of the bed was slightly like more than the other side of the bed with one blanket or sheet, I would literally get up and rip the whole thing apart. And my mom would have to come in and help me make it at like three o'clock in the morning. Like I, I can't. And so, um, we all have our weird things. And so like, uh, that helps with that because if I pull everything taut in the morning, then when I get in at night, there is less chance of that happening. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I do. It's like literally right here. And I do stare at all at it all day, as well as the spider block from my husband killing a spider on my wall in the middle of the night. It was like a small bird. Thank God they don't fly. I can't. Yeah. Oh my God. What is this? (gasps) What is your favorite word? I don't know why I'm the one who just gets to single-handedly decide we're moving on. No more of that, Amy. We're doing something new. What is my favorite word? Okay, so I mean, aside from fuck, which is obviously my favorite word, my second favorite word. um, So I really like science. Like I am the nerdiest nerd. I will just rabbit hole on anything. Like moderately interesting. I'm here for it. Um, and one time in grade nine, I had finished my project early cause nerd. Um, and there was kind of nothing to do in class, but I wasn't allowed to leave. Um, and so my teacher, Mr. Onions loved him. He was amazing. He was from England. He, he was lovely. He was my favorite. He gave me, um, he gave me this word and he told me that it's the longest word in the human language. Um, and he was like, if you can learn this by the end of class, there was like 20 minutes or something. Um, he's like, if you can learn this word by the end of class, I'll give you like a mark or something. I don't know. He's going to give me something that I wanted. Um, and we'll, I'll see if I can remember it. This was like 20, 20 plus years ago. Um, I think the word is pneumona ultra microscopic silical vacaniconiosis favorite word. <laughs> that makes me so happy. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. I feel um, like should get extra credit for retaining it this many years. You later. really should. <laughs> bonus, bonus that you can remember you? this many years later. Um, 
So I, I don't know if all of these are in the jar, but that, um, that like questionnaire that I'm obsessed with has like, um, your favorite word to say and your favorite curse word and your least favorite word. And so like, um, so let's also say least favorite word. Do you have a least favorite word? Moist, obviously. (laughs) I am a human being. Does not because I'm a person. what and uh, yes and the what is your favorite curse word which I'm pretty sure is in here separately but like we'll revisit again so reinforce so I will say that um my my dad is Jewish and so like I grew up with lots of Yiddish words in my vocabulary but I do use fishnushkid all the time which just kind of means like it's you know, like I'll say to my son, like, you can't go out like that. Why is your hair all fish Michigan? Like there is so like, and so, um, I do use that word all the time and I kind of do love that word. Um, but I don't know, like slithering is a word that I just like to say, like, I don't necessarily like the word, but your favorite word to say, like, I do like saying things that just feel interesting Mm -hmm. and then I think my least favorite word is mediocre Mm. um I had very specific messaging and training I was in that used that word for things that shouldn't have been used for and um things like you know I I think all if you want to talk about what I think is crap I think basically all entrepreneurship likes one person business self-help books or crap. <laughs> like, I think it's all bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it worked for one person doesn't mean it's going to work for anybody else and stop telling everybody like, this is the one way to do things, but to call people who do a regular nine to five job, like to say, well, do you want to be mediocre? Do you want to work like a nine to five job? I'm like, my, my parents were both teachers for their entire adulthoods. Um, there is not one mediocre thing about how they did their job. The fact that they did a job that paid them not a lot of money for their whole lives does not, in my mind, make that mediocre, like, or a mediocre life. And um, I can say, having been in spaces where I've worked with a lot of millionaires, that a majority of them are leading very mediocre lives. Yeah. So if ever you're sad that you're not one of those people, just know. Yeah. Money does not make you happy. (laughs) I have never met more mediocre people in my whole life as far as like character and personality and like value added as some of the millionaires that I've worked with. Yeah. Um, I would rather, I would rather deal with somebody who makes no money and has character any day of the week. Like Mm -hmm. it's just, um, but anyway, so I hate that word. And my very favorite curse word is clusterfuck because compound swear word and very specifically clusterfuck, like not just the word fuck, because there are some circumstances and do not argue with me because you will not convince me otherwise that there is not another description for what I am looking at in front of me. Then the word clusterfuck. If we're going compound, I would like to add for fuck's sake. Oh, 
whip it out for oh, sure. like, there's nothing that gives my soul more relief than like I can't tell you how many mugs my friends have sent me during Coco Roro that have like different puns on like foxes like oh for fox sake <laughs> so I can bring them in on calls with me and be like oh I didn't know that <laughs> oh weird what <laughs> this change I just thought it was cute fox <laughs> oh it is a cute fox <laughs> um what makes you feel connected to people hmm. what do you think about you or for me what do I <laughs> for you what is your answer you go first I was like is it a test are we having a quiz, quiz. I don't do go I don't do well with them. <laughs> is it open book um I would say that the second we are done tonight, I will think of such a better answer than this. We can edit it in if but, you want. <laughs> um, I would say that I feel very connected to people when we are passionate about um, injustices and like standing up like I have never I never feel so alone in my life than when I'm the only person fired up about something I can clearly tell is not fair Mm -hmm. um and I feel very connected to people when I'm in a group of people who are in agreement about how and why this thing is not fair or at least agree that it's not fair even if our reasonings are different um and then like personally I feel connected to people when I can show up as a bad version of myself. And I know your opinion of me won't change because mm-hmm. I'm gonna right? <laughs> show up as a bad version. of. Myself. What if that's my favorite version of you? <laughs> what does that say about me? <laughs> yes, please bring it, baddie. <laughs> please don't die on the podcast. <laughs> please don't die on camera. <laughs> Um, yeah, I would say like interpersonal connection, the way that I connect with people most is just collecting tiny facts about them. Mm. Um, like I have a problem with object permanence. So like, if you're not in front of my face, I forget that you exist and I'm sorry. And it's nothing personal. It's just how my brain is wired. Um, and so having little tiny facts about people helps me feel connected when they're gone because I'll see something that's the color that's your favorite color. And I'll remember I had a friend who was obsessed with peach Snapple and every, like they're impossible to find here in Toronto. And so every time I would find one, I would get it for him. And it helped me feel really connected because I'm like, Hey, like we were out of nowhere and I found something that I know you like, and I got it for you and I'm bringing it to you. Now we're connected. Um, and so like just collecting random information about people and then holding it, we're like five years later, just pop out something that you said to me five years ago on an offhanded comment. Like my brain's a bit of a sieve right now, but like when I'm in my full health, like I have a brain, like a steel trap, you will mention something to me one time and I will find it and bring it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how I do my really hardcore, like really inner circle interpersonal connections. I would say for like connecting generally to others, um, this is going to sound silly, but there's something about like being at a concert and everyone holding up their phones, Mm -hmm. like where you can just see all the people 
um, and everyone's kind of like in it really in the present moment, really engaging and participating and just seeing everything light up and feeling that sense of connectedness where we're all kind of in this exact moment together. We're all participating and we're all engaging. You can tell if it's like a really emotional song that everyone is generating the same feelings. Um, that helps me feel really connected to people as being part of like a greater experience. I really like sort of that, which is greater kind of getting pulled out of myself mm -hmm. because I tend to spin around in my own brain all the time. And so anything <laughs> that gets me out of my own brain, like here for it. <laughs> yes. And that's so funny because just as you were like about to say that, I was like, well, actually also in the theater, like when you can feel everybody collectively holding their breath yes. or you you can feel like everybody collectively impressed with something like um there's a space in um well because I was kind of obsessed with Moulin Rouge when it first came out and um like there's a space right at the beginning where like Christian comes out and there's been kind of all of this pre-show chaos and then he comes out and everybody goes dead silent and like the whole audience doesn't even know he's necessarily about to speak or like that now the chaos is ending for just a brief second before it all happens again. Um, and he like says a few lines and then he does this and the uh, curtain goes up and like everybody collectively, the second he walks out on stage, like shuts up, even if they don't know who he is or the actor or the character or what's about to happen. Like it kind of just does that to everybody. And then there's another space where he gets like thrown across the stage and you can feel like everybody at the same time, that's kind of like, Oh yes. Okay. Nobody died. <laughs> and so all of those things, or like you were saying, like something where everybody, it might not be like crying, but like, if I'm crying and I can see like the lady, like a row down and over is also crying. And this person's also crying or like just mm. that collective, um, emotional experience. Like we were talking about for some other question a couple weeks mm. ago, but I haven't been to many concerts. I won't lie to you. I like, don't just Eric gets a seat at for like because Eric works in that industry. Right. Friends come through. They're like, "Hey, like we're here with like insert random person here." Like we see most yeah. of our shows. Like he would like call me back when I worked at the law firm. He would just he'd be like, "Hey, like do you want to go see Sting tonight?" <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's. Go. I'm not dressed, but I'm going in my suit. Apparently, right. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. Um, probably we're like oh ma'am <laughs> you know, yeah like, now you look like you really did something <laughs> but, yeah I would say yeah. like I I've had a similar theater experience like I did like our school's big production in my graduating year it was like a four-person cast which we hadn't done yet it was really intense um it was a little bit mature subject matter for our ages <laughs> I don't know if I'd recommend that I all. often look back at, at high school and I'm like that yeah, doesn't feel like I it was a that good was choice <laughs> emotionally mature enough to handle what we were doing but I I was like the emotional like I was the emotional pull in the storyline and there is a scene kind of like three quarters of the way through where I confront my like mom um about like some travesties that have happened in her life that she was ignoring um and there was like we couldn't see anything like it was lit in such a way that I could see no one but when I finish this monologue that's supposed to be really intense and really emotional 
and there's a pause between us for like dramatic effect all you could hear was people sobbing it was just hundreds of people sobbing and like it just felt so weird in that moment to be like I don't get to participate but also I'm I'm also participating and engaging and it just felt like because I was pulling on real emotions like I'm very much a method actor apparently and so I was like heaving and crying in this scene like I was supposed to be and to have my emotions kind of reflected in hundreds of people was so interesting and also weird and alienating <laughs> it's like how are you all feeling what's in my body this is weird <laughs> get out yeah like I just remember when we did our like opening matinee where all the students got to come um my special ed teacher mrs onions they were married <laughs> i was like please was tell me these the people best. were together she was also like the best um my special ed teacher came and when the lights came up in the house for us to bow she was sitting front and center and there was just kleenex everywhere and she was like frantically <laughs> like, she was not okay <laughs> like, but I was like, what is happening here? I think we broke her. It's fine. Like, it was good. Worry. Like, it was a, it was a good thing. Like, our high school was known for a lot of bad things, but we were like the performing arts um school, like in our district. Like, we had like a whole like specialty performing arts high school, and we nailed them every year. Nice. Um, at the thing to the point where they were like cutting programs in our school to fund this theater program. Um, and so like that was the year that I did like my big thing and I took home the dramatic arts award and I was like yeah I did <laughs> I made Miss Onions cry <laughs> I can make an onion cry okay <laughs> I love that oh my gosh one more yeah I think we have a couple we can oh well now there's two in my hand what oh do no we, what do I do oh my gosh what do I do <laughs> You only have one job, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of true. Um, something that took you by surprise. Like in my whole life? I, feel I don't know. I'm kind of surprised. constantly surprised and also never surprised. I feel like we share that quality. Um, <laughs> it's totally true. Um, I don't know, because I would love to say... Well, I wouldn't love to say that these things surprise me about people because they're not, they're not flattering things about people. But like, I would love to say that I'm surprised by like how humanity reacts to things sometimes, but I'm not in the least surprised. I'm just, I'm just shocked. Just, you know what I mean? Not mad. I'm just disappointed. Right. Like I'm not, I'm not surprised. I'm just simply shocked that like, that's how the thing is. Um, I think so when I graduated from high school, um, my grandfather's family is from from England. And when I was much, much younger, my grandfather traced his whole lineage back for a very long ways, which, of course, is a white family. We in European, we have, a, you know, that privilege to be able to be capable of doing that but like my grand my grandmother's family is from Germany my grandfather's family is from England and so like um I'm like those are European countries right here's my geography please don't tell me to go east or west like I don't know you're yeah. north right okay um so <laughs> you're like I am the north uh so I 
when we went, we went to England, my grandparents took me for two weeks um, when I graduated from high school as my graduation gift. And we went and did some of the touristy things, but I was desperate to see like King Arthur and Guinevere's grave sites. Like, so we went and did their, that little tour one day, which is like, you know, not, not as touristy as like, it was like all the old people that wanted to go see like the Cotswolds with all the flowers and thatched roofs and things. And then like me being like, are we going to get to see a fake person's grave? Like, (laughs) don't make it weird. Um, And then we went and I would, I'm up. I love Bedknobs and Broomsticks. It's one of my favorite movies. I still make my kids watch it. Um, And so we went to, uh, the road that they sing about in the movie. Um, But we went to Stonehenge and I, I was very spiritually, energetically sensitive as a kid. Like I could see things that other people weren't seeing and things like that. And I was very intuitive in high school in very weird ways that the people, like the adults that I was with were like, okay, that's a little weird you do you. Um, and I remember being like knocked over by the energetics of being there. And of course, you know, like they have, you know, the forks and the like, whatever types of metal tools that are like moving and whatever. And everybody's like, Oh, you know, like you're a third grade at a science fair or whatever. Um, and somebody's volcano actually explodes. But like, I remember just being like, like, I couldn't Mm -hmm. believe all of that. And so I think like, I was really surprised at how, and then we also did like a tour of a couple crop circles when we did that. And um, when we were driving back, they were pointing out all the crop circles. And like some of them, I was like the same thing. And some of them I'm like, that's not a crop circle. And so like now knowing what I know and looking and really honing some of that and looking more into it and practicing, I can now know like some of what I was feeling there. Mm -hmm. But I remember just being like, I don't understand. Um, It was very similar to when we went in middle school, we went for a couple of days to like do tours at Gettysburg. Like I had a very similar reaction to that. There was a fort um, in Washington state when we lived there that was at a park that everybody loved to go to like any outdoor event they were like let's have it here and I'm like oh please don't make me go um and so like I just can feel where things have happened and so yeah I can very specifically remember being like what's wrong with me that's not wrong with the rest of you yeah. <laughs> you <know>? right <laughs> that makes total sense um I think for me I think for me, the biggest thing that ever surprised me was, so like my poor husband, like last December went out to get Thai food, poor unsuspecting person. (laughs) And while he was gone, I was looking up, I wanted to take a bunch of courses, um, to upgrade my coaching skills. Like I wanted to recertify for my CBT training. I wanted to recertify for my DBT training. I was looking at how many hours the courses were. And I was like, honestly, at this rate, I might as well just upgrade to my master's. And so I went um, to the University of Toronto website and I was like trying to look up how you do a master's and they don't have a master's there right now for psychology. Um, they have a direct PhD. And so in the 20 minutes it took my husband to go 
<laughs> get rid of Thai food. I was like, oh, well, maybe I'll just get a PhD. Um, and he came in, he's like putting all the food down. And I was like, hey, like weird question. What would you think if I said I wanted to get a PhD? And he like thought for a second and he was like, yeah, that makes total sense. Let's do it. Um, he's like, why don't you talk to my parents about it? His parents both have PhDs. And he's like, let's talk to them and see if they know something we don't know um, or like how we actually make this happen. And then I told his parents and they both like burst into tears, <laughs> like which like fun tears, like, oh my God, like our little child is growing up. Like um, Eric's mom all the time says that I'm, I'm her kid who got lost. <laughs> like, it's fine. I made my way back. It's fine. They found me. Um, but they are two like hardcore scientists who both like teach, like they make crazy things. Like Eric's dad had like 52 patents. Like they just line the dining room. It's insanity. Um, and they made two artists, which like they love them dearly. They support their work. Um, but to have me pop along and be like, hey, like I also like science and I also want a PhD. Like they were just undone. Um, and I think the thing that surprised me is like growing up as a kid who was in special ed, right? I was illiterate until grade four. Like I had a lot of stuff going on. Um, and a lot of people were like, just don't like, don't set the bar real high. Cause like people like you don't go anywhere. Um, and that was kind of the messaging that I had my whole life and been kind of fighting against. And like the rules, I had to go to university because that was just what was decided in our family. Uh, but nobody expected me to do anything from it. And so to kind of detach from that space and move into a place in my life where like, I told you and you were like, that tracks. And I told another one of my friends to just be like, am I making an impulsive decision? Am I being crazy? Every single person I told was like, wow, that's like a big deal. But I absolutely see you being successful in that space was just so shocking. Like, I thought everyone was going to be like, what are you, dumb? Like, you are dumb. Why would you consider that? Like, you're not going to make it. You're not going to be successful um, to have moved to a place in my life where everyone was like, yeah, no, this is going to be awesome. Let's all like, like, let's get your CV ready and let's see if we can get you into a lab. And like, here's all the stuff that you're probably going to need. And like, here, let's, here's where we're going to check all the testing that you have to do to get in. Um, that was really surprising. Um, so I'm feeling pretty good about that. We'll, we'll still have to see if I get in <laughs> a different issue, but like or, everyone supports the idea or like six months before you're over. We'll have to see if you yeah. still think it's a good, <laughs> I feel like my thesis is going to have like the weirdest name though. It will not be named conventionally. Oh, for <laughs> sure not. And I'm kind of very excited for <laughs> Here, here. <laughs> I love it. Well, that's a really good space to end. So okay, I, yeah. think, I think that we're done then. All right. Okay. Love you. Bye. Okay. Love you. Bye.